Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mack. Hello, I'm here again. And we're here just to uh, recap on one game this week, which was the Stevenage game, as uh, the match that was due to go ahead last night, uh, it didn't happen in due to a waterlogged pit, uh, pitch at Anfield. Yeah, we both disappointed last night. We were looking forward to going to Anfield and winning, weren't we, and taking three points. So, um, yeah, the, the weather played a big part in it, and obviously the game didn't happen. Yeah, so we'll get straight to that Stevenage game then, shall we? Let's do the Stevenage game. Um, so, as we mentioned uh, last week and the last couple of weeks, that it was on a half five because BT Sport... Um, Liverpool TV. Liverpool TV, yeah, they fancied a bit of a cup upset, maybe, so... i tell you what, though, they did come up trumps in one area, did old BT Sport, oh. and it was co-commentator. Oh, co-commentator, yeah. Um, this this had a bit of a mixed reaction uh, reaction on our page when we kind of put this out there. And you mean you mean the men liked it and the women didn't? Yeah, Andy Gray went. He uh, he was um, he was very popular choice for like uh, for commentator amongst the men, but the women were all like sexist pig. Good old Andy Gray. It was but good to hear his voice back on the telly, I mean, wasn't it? He, you know, it's people are so easy to to. So quick to forget that you know he he was one of the best commentators in the game, wasn't he? It's only because you know. It's only because Sky fancied a, a younger kind of look to their team that he kind of got moved on. I don't think it was the sexism thing. I think they just used that as an excuse in the end. Well, they both said they were set up to old keys and grey, uh, and you know, at first everyone just thought, yeah, whatever. But there was probably some truth in it, I think. Uh, but it was good to see Andy Gray on back on the telly. Did you see who the uh, the analysts were as well? Analysts, even. <laughs> Analysts. I didn't, because my stream that I watched it on, we started a minute before the match. Oh, right, OK. Well, it was David James, who we know talks out of his arse. David James, who said we were going to finish 17th in the league this year. Yeah. That one, yeah. And Joseph Barton. Oh, yeah. No, I did. He was pitch side, wasn't he? Yes. Pitch side. I did see them, yeah. Yeah, so um, that was a bit of a strange uh, mix, but... I suppose Joey Barton was trying to represent the Blues in, some, in the only way you could possibly manage. Was he putting a blue-sided tint on it? I think so. I think he, that's what he was there for. Anyway. Anyway, so kick-off half-five and uh, team news came in and you know all the debate was would uh, Roberto go with a full-strength side? And he, Ish. He, yeah, I mean... He did ish, didn't he? He did. Well, I mean... Joel and goal. Yeah. Um. Benji played left back. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the team now. He was a centre half. I don't know. Jack Yelka played. A lot's happened since then. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. 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 Nothing's no. happened then, apart from a, a called off game. Um, uh, Jack Yelka played centre half. John Stones played right back that game. Did he? Again, we could have researched this really. I only watched this game three days ago, and I can't remember. <laughs> Seems like a long time ago. Now. Uh, I mean, the short, the, 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 the short of it is... Uh, that was Hating at a Stones? Oh, I don't know. Naismith was up front. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it didn't take long for him to make an impact. <laughs> no, it didn't. First, no, first, let's just say there, there was a little bit of a mix-up, wasn't there, with, with Stones in, in, in the defence, and um, and he, he kind of needed back to uh, to Robles, Robles, Joe. Joe. Joe, yeah. Oh, good old Billy. And he uh, he made a bit of a hash of it, but Stones recovered and made a good block. 
And that was probably the extent of Stevenage's uh, real threat. They came out at the beginning of the game as if they were up for it, didn't they? And, you know, it looked like it, they were going to give us a good game, to be fair to them, I thought. Yeah, but, well, they didn't, really. Uh, first, the first goal was a decent bit of work, decent effort uh, from Morales, and it uh, shot saves out to the wing, and McGeady found himself on the end of it. Nice little pullback. And, um, McGeady making his full debut. Yeah, so... And uh, Naismith takes a touch and then scoops it up to where the goalie wasn't, which is what the, it's what the um, what Stevenage didn't do. You know, he, he, the Stevenage striker put it right at John Stones really well when it, on, on the mistake I was talking about before. Well, Naismith showed a little bit of a calmer head and uh, scooped it over the over the goalie and put us one 0 up. Uh, just to clear up the team because I've now got it up in front of me. Yeah. Um, cool. For anyone who didn't see it, uh, Joel in goal, Hibbert and Baines, uh, obviously right back, left back, Jagielka at centre half, uh, along with John Stones, uh, the midfield of uh, McCarthy and Barry sitting, uh, McGeady, Morales, uh, and Oviedo, uh, with Nate Smith up top. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the midfield didn't stay like that uh, for very long into the game uh, when Oviedo got. A horrible, horrible injury. Yeah, I mean, when we first, when you first saw it, you th- I knew it was going to. It was a free kick to them because uh, their their attacker had hold of hold of the ball, and uh, Oviedo's kind of coming a little bit from behind, kind of from the side. Got his leg into it, but his foot's gone over the ball. As his foot's gone over the ball, like on the ball, uh, their attackers put his foot down, and it's just it's it's made like a. Wow. You see, I, I can't watch things like this. I struggle to watch things like that because it just makes me feel all like woozy in me, in me balls, really. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I don't like seeing injuries anyway, the best of times. And So I still don't really know what happened. I mean, I, somebody told me it, was it, he tried to block the shot and it was the power of the shot that broke his no. leg. No, was, it, was his leg actually trodden on? But unintentionally. Yeah, he'd, he'd come over, he'd come, come from out of nowhere to pinch the ball, got his leg over the ball. Um, so he, 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 he kind of, but he'd come in from, from the wrong side, so it was a free kick. But when his leg was on the ball, I think he must have knocked the other player, he knocked the other player from behind. And where it was resting on the ball, you know, it was made like a bridge. And when the, when the defenders put his foot down, the ball's gone out the way. And his legs just come down, like, snapped. And straight away you could tell it was a terrible injury because of the reaction of the players, couldn't you? There was players with tears in their eyes, basically, and, you know, players covering their eyes and... Yeah, it was one of... Looking on, just looking horrified. The only other time I can remember anything like that was, like, years and years ago when Dave Boost, remember, from Coventry, and he he broke his leg, and it was a similar kind of thing, and Peter Schmeichel, like, ran in the opposite direction, holding his face, like, because he was, like, that shocked and that... Well, rumour has it though that you know Oviedo didn't scream, didn't cry. Well, I didn't. That's, that's the only thing that he made me think uh, it was all he right. He shouted. He shouted for the the physio himself, uh, and then you know once he was stretched off, uh, which took a couple of minutes. Uh, apparently, he grabbed one of the players. Be it, I think it might have been Lukaku or Morales. And not that it wasn't Lukaku because he was on the field. I think it was Morales, uh, and said, "Just make sure you go on and win it." Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and. He said he didn't. He knew. He only knew that it was a bad injury when he saw Morales's face, 
and Morales uh, was in tears and a few of the other players were like I mean it's a great shot a great shot of um, all the players around them and you can see how I mean nobody likes to see them but you see how moved they are and how like you know how gutted they are for them and you know it's like that says it all about our team yeah so obviously you know everyone at Doppler to just better just wants to wish uh, Brian a, a speedy recovery uh, and we'll talk a bit more about what he's been through in the last week on our news section a little bit later. Uh, fortunately for Everton, though, um, you know the, the the initial shock uh, that the players felt on seeing the injury didn't sort of affect the rest of the performance. Yeah, from the result on free kick, uh, it was a bit of a nicely worked one, knocked to one side. Uh, like one of, it's like I don't know, it was just a bit of a the training ground one, wasn't it? One of the players ran up, dummy there. Uh, and the player who was standing in front of the ball spun around and then someone came from the side and knocked it in to the side of the wall and he screwed it which and it looked like it was heading maybe bottom corner maybe a little bit wide but I, you know, Joel saved it anyway Fair play to Steve Lidge. I thought that was one of the best work free kicks I've seen yeah, in a long really long time yeah. it was nice wasn't it you know they're a team the bottom of League One you know they're playing a team flying high in the Premiership and you know the trying little things like that I, I, you know fair play to them Yeah um, Joel anyway whether it was going in or wide or whatever he saved it and then it didn't take long um, for us to get a second uh, once again I, I never know where on, on these kind of through balls um, I think was it Osman when Osman came on for Oviedo um, he put a, yeah of course we did mention that that was the obvious change yeah. wasn't it Osman came on for Oviedo and he put a, a decent ish ball in behind for Naismith to run onto, which he probably could have challenged for, but the defender like, kind of got too first, and then he, the defender just happened to uh, knock it into his path a little bit and just made an absolute hash of it. And uh, Naismith uh, ran onto it and was a tidy little finish in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, under the, it's, under the keeper. it's never going to win goal of the season, but I'd just say tidy little finish. And uh, all of a sudden, we found uh, Stevie Naismith on his hat trick. On his hat trick, yeah. So. Um, which I think everybody was like, oh my God, what's he doing up front? And where's Velios again and all that kind of stuff? Or why isn't Morales up top? And um, it worked on, on today, uh, on that day, sorry. I, th- I thought he played really well throughout the game, Nate Smith. I really did, against Stevenage. Against Stevenage. He hasn't played anyone else this week. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we go in, 2-0 up. Uh, no, was there any changes? There was another change at half-time, wasn't there? Why do you keep asking me hard questions? <laughs> do you think I'm some sort of like podcast host or something that's meant to be educated on Everton? Yeah. <laughs> do you think I'm meant to be able to remember what happened five days ago? Yeah. Was there a change of half time? Let me consult my uh, my device so you can talk for a minute while I have a look. Make, yeah, make, we, make we, something up. Whether there was a change or not, anyway, we went in 2 0 up at half time. Come back out, and then shortly after the break, um, balls whipped in. I'm glad I nearly found the half time. The balls whipped in, and uh, well, the the commentator uh, and the other commentator was Ian Dark. Ian Dark made a point of uh, mentioning this about a million times. What could be John Heitinger's final contribution as an Evertonian? It was John Heitinger who came on at half time. Oh, was it? So so did he come on for Jags? Uh, He did, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so Heitinger pops up with probably his second or third goal ever as an Evertonian. 
There's another one for you. There's another one. You don't ask me how many. I'm not even looking up how many goals Aiton has scored in his Everton career. It was a fortunate one as well, wasn't it? He didn't get the best connection, but he uh, hit the defender on the way in and sent the goalie the wrong way. Yeah. He will claim it, and he can claim it because it was on target, but it's. Uh, it wasn't exactly. Again, it's not winning goal of the season, not goal is it? Of the season, no. Certainly fact, not winning goal of the season. I think there's a pattern with our, all four of our goals, really. None of them with the. Uh... And and to be fair, at this point, Stevenage was still having a go because that goal came directly after um, like a bit of a, a double effort from Stevenage. Uh, from uh, the Zoko was involved in, who I picked as my man to watch last week. I'm just glad he played because I didn't have a clue whether he'd be on the bench <laughs> playing, whether he was a youth player. I knew nothing about him. I picked him because he had an interesting sound and name. We mentioned, uh, well, we forgot who scored the, uh, the, the goal in the uh, in the fixture at Goodison earlier on the season, and it was Freeman. And um, they had a few. Uh, the commentators had a few things to say about him. He made his FA Cup debut at the age of 15, so he's the youngest ever uh, ever player to play in the FA Cup. Proper from yeah. the first rounds, not not the qualifying rounds. So he maybe on hindsight should have been you want to watch really. So I think you should step up your work a little bit there, lad. Right, okay. <laughs> I was guessing. Uh, right, I, I saw that they had Freeman playing for them. I expect like an old black man with a beard. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so three uh, 0 Naismith chasing his actually. And uh, final substitution, and I think this spoke volumes as to how highly or lowly um, Roberto rates uh, Velios at the moment. Because he brought him on? No, he brought on my guy gay. My guy gay. My guy gay. My guy gay. Again, I don't know who he came from. And a 3 0 up. When we brought my guy Gay on, I thought we were probably then going to get beat. Yeah, well, and it was one of those. Oh, um, what the hell? You know what? What the? My guy Gay came on for Morales. So I mean, I suppose that's fair, fair enough positionally. You would, if, but still, why not give Velios a run? I've got no idea. I was saying exactly the same. I, watching it in my house. My my quote uh, on our Facebook at the time was. Um, Velios must have shit in Roberto Martinez's conflicts or t- because uh, I just couldn't understand why he didn't come on. And then I was made to eat me words a little bit because he popped up with our fourth goal. My guy gay. My guy gay, yeah. Looked like he'd uh, made a little bit too much work for himself but then provided a nice tidyish little finish. I thought he'd completely blew the chance because the ball got played to him and he sort of took like... He probably, I think he could have hit the first time, possibly. Or he, his first touch was good. Yeah. He could have hit it then, but he, he, you know, he took two or three chances. Sort of was getting into a crowded box, uh, and then sort of scuffed the finish. I think you would say. Yeah. Again, it's not a goal of the season contender. Uh, By no means. And yeah, and my guy Gay was on the team sheet, on the score sheet. On the either. score sheet. So we kind of made sweet our words a little bit, but nah, don't care. <laughs> I don't. The good news Don't is, the good news is, I had a pound on Everton goal scorers being Naismith to Heitinger and Magai Gay, so I've now won ninety six million pounds. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, Stephen has had one more chance, and it was uh, from right hand side, a little, a decent enough effort, and uh, Joel got enough on it underneath his body to take the real pace off, to take the sting off, it, and then there was a bit of a colossal scramble. Uh, and we managed to get it clear. 
Um, so, ended up being 4-0. 4-0. Comfortable, easy. Good performance, you know, never an easy game going away to lower league teams. The pitch wasn't great. Um, you know, it was, it was it, diabolical a pitch at times. It was, you know, small ground, difficult conditions to play in with the weather, but the Blues went and done a professional job. And then, obviously, the draw for the fifth round took place uh, late Sunday evening. And it was a good little draw for Everton, really. When you looked at some of the, when you looked at some of the teams in the pot, there were certain ones you wanted to avoid, uh, and you wanted to make sure we had the home tie, and we got that and more with the four big teams in, we were left in, other than ourselves, uh, all drawing each other. Yeah, I mean that, that you, you couldn't you couldn't write it any better, could you? I mean, you, you well, you possibly could have gave, gave us an easier one, maybe. Sheffield Wednesday at home, or you know, yeah. <laughs> Preston North End at home, but. At the end of the day, uh, we saw the first big tie, Arsenal, come out. And I was sat on my couch going, "Not my, I've got to explain something here. You know, my missus hates football. And we were sat there having our tea on Sunday with the drawer on, OK? Um, and she was just looking at, at me thinking I was the saddest man in the world, shouting at a bunch of two fellas pulling out balls from a pot. <laughs> right? That sounds terrible. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I was watching on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't first. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so let's forget about that. But So I hit Arsenal, got to roll. Every time there was a home ball drew out, I was going, us, us, us. Oh. So then Arsenal got to roll to home, and I was like, no, no, not us, not us. And then Liverpool got to run out, and I basically threw me tea all over the living room and started dancing. <laughs> so And then obviously Chelsea got Man City. Uh, and we were left. We were one of the four last balls in. Uh, and we, no, with, we always are. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? And we were left with strangely three teams that we all played across the Christmas period: Sunderland, Southampton, and Swansea. The three S's. Yeah. Um, and um, we're just happy for the home tie. I would have took any of them three at home, really. Uh, and we got Swansea at home. Yeah. So it's a good draw I mean it's this the uh, what is it it's the fifth round now so as, as I said last week you know if you can get through that it's quarters and it, you start to look and you know like you know you've got you've got a few good teams out of it the next round if we can get through this you've got two of the real big guns out and three of them if you count Man U well the ideal situation now is obviously you know Arsenal knock out Liverpool Man City or Chelsea Either one knock each other out, uh, and then Arsenal play the winner of the Chelsea Man City game yeah. in the quarters. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that all day, thank you very much. Um, so it's going to be across uh, the Valentine's Day weekend, really. I think it's the 15th, 16th of February. Um, as you say, home tie. I think, looking at I think Swansea have got a couple of games either side of it that are quite, uh, quite a handy sort of. Games for us. I think they play Napoli that midweek, either before or after in the in the Europa League, uh, and they've got a decent league fixture either before or after as well. So it's it's sandwiched in in between two sort of big games for them. So you know, so we've got hope. Yeah, we've definitely got hope. Right. So uh, that, that's it for the football and recap. Uh, that's uh, the end of the podcast now. Uh, football. And it's recap only a short week. nineteen minute episode this week, um, and it all still looking well with the Blues, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we can't. We're gonna to have to say yeah, something. No, uh, no. Unfortunately, um, it was an our only game of the week. Yeah, um, you know, as you will all know, uh, it was an absolute disaster. 
Um, it's funny how the podcast just can just switch on its head, isn't it, and go from being like all oh, happy and oh we can we can win the FA Cup, but now we've got to kind of address a little bit of reality a little bit and uh, uh, kind of the wheels fell off a little bit last night, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's now uh, sort of half three ish on Wednesday afternoon, um, the day after the night before, shall we say? Um, you know, we the the derby was yesterday, uh, and. It, it was a derby that I think we had a lot of hope going into, would you say? I think it was too much hope. Possibly too much hope. Um, you know, all week we've been buoyed by news of, you know, a lot of injured players coming back and, you know, possibly being fit for the game, making the game late fitness tests, um, you know, possibly even seeing some, some new blood even maybe in the game. And um, I think if you'd asked any Evertonian before the match, I don't think a single one would have predicted the final scoreline. No, um, and I think I don't think any any copite would have uh, predicted that as well. I think they might have would have joked it in a smarmy, audible little way, but I don't think they realistically would have thought that. Before we talk about the match itself, I want to say a little bit about Roberto Martinez. I think he's getting, you know, a little bit of criticism today for the first time, really. Um, Maybe saying that, you know, tactically he didn't do the right thing. I think he made a big mistake in playing John Stones where he played him. I think he should have gone with Hibby. Well, Apart from that, I think he just did what Roberto Martinez always does. And that was, he tried to take it to them. I think he picked that team, you know, not really... You know, not having whether they were fully fit in the mind, he picked a team he thought could go and attack Liverpool and our most attacking team. And I think Stones was his only real mistake. I think everything else that happened in the game was not anything that Roberto Martinez done. It was for two reasons. One, we performed poorly. And two, Liverpool played very well. Yeah. Well, let's just go through it like bit by bit anyway. Um, so... We, uh, we we went the game. We were found out that we were row one. We did, and we walked up. We went out to we went to players our match day lounge um, before the game for a, a little while. Um, spoke to I had a decent conversation with ex Everton player Mark Ward. Yeah, yeah. Before the game, and was talking to Wardy, and Wardy was saying, you know, he had an underlying confidence depending on what you know the start and eleven was going to be really. Um, and before we left players, we start, we got the team through, didn't we? And um, you know, so the rumours, the rumours that Barkley was going to make it, which true, was going to make it, which true. Um, Traore didn't make it to the bench. No, uh, and there was also rumours on the day that Coleman was going to be fit, and obviously, as I mentioned before, with Stones playing right mid, uh, right back, stroke midfield. Um, Coleman didn't make it. So the, this stand didn't make it either. This stand didn't make it. So the the, the team was for anyone that's not seen it. Uh, Tim Aberdeen goal, Bainsey at left back, uh, another returning player uh, centre half in Alcaraz who we've not seen for a couple of weeks. Uh, so Alcaraz and Jags uh, and John Stones right back. Uh, the usual McCarthy, Barry Pearden, holding midfield, uh, and then we had uh, uh, Morales. Pina, Pina, Barkley, Barkley, and Lukaku up top. So on paper, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot's been made before and since about Everton's so-called injury problems. And I know I posted on our page earlier in this week. You know, 
I did it. A team sheet, basically, of injured players that we could put out at the moment. Yeah. And there was a full team of ten players. Uh, we didn't have an injured keeper, but you know, and it was a really good team on paper, wasn't it? Of, of the injured players. Um, but if you look at the starting lineup we put out last night, the only players who would really were really missing from that side was this Dan and Coleman, I would say. Yeah, I from a full strength team. But uh, as we'll find out, it, it's not just eleven players that you need. No, it's not. Of course, it's not. And um, so, I think it, it, the the thinness of our squad is reflected at the moment in the fact that this was a Merseyside derby and Magai Gay was still on the bench. Yeah, I'd say I'd go with that. Yeah. I know we I know we are giving Magai Gay a lot of stick at the moment, but let's face it, he's not good enough to play for Everton, and there's no way he should be on the bench in a game the size of well, Everton versus Liverpool. I mean, we can also say, from a less harsh point of view, uh, Luke Garbett was on the bench. You know, so it's you know it's, that's not a criticism of it's just it's just saying how how low on numbers we were. We didn't have a striker on the bench or a recognised striker, did yeah. we? So, um, so we left players and we're walking up to Anfield, uh, and I must say, uh, Stanley Park was very reminiscent of Vietnam. <laughs> a few players had what are they? They had those flares, but I didn't realise they banged as the as as the. No, that that, that was something different. As basically, we, as we started walking up, and all the Evertonians were walking up from you know the County Road area from around Goodison, um, there was like you know probably a couple of thousand of people walking to Stanley Park, and it was it was freezing cold. It was raining. It was pitch black. Next minute, as you enter the park. Where it's all, you know, for anyone who doesn't know the area, it's quite a dark park, isn't it? Like trees. Yeah, no lights. And the only lights no the, lights. the helicopters go ever go And past there's, there's, there's a big lake with bridge, yeah. bridges over it. Uh, and then next minute, all of a sudden, blue smoke erupts from everywhere. There's blue smoke, there's these incredibly loud bangers going off, like the sound, like flashbangs. There's police helicopters flying over, shining. You know, floodlights down on us. There's Marlon Brando in a big um, wooden hut. <laughs> it was just like it was like it, you know it got it got you going, didn't it? It was like going it was like, to yeah, war. It felt yeah. like we were going to war yeah. um, as we walked across uh, the short walk over to Anfield, um, and then we got to Anfield and it was chaos. Yeah, there was what three turnstiles, and uh, there was still around. What, what time did we get there? About. About 22? Probably about 25 to 8, 20 to 8. Yeah, and there were still uh, three, well, there were three queues, and it was just, there must have been hundreds and hundreds of Everton fans just stood out there. Uh, every single person was being padded down, and asked, that's a safety issue, you know, that, but three turnstiles isn't enough. It's not. It's you know, definitely not, and I mean, you know, it, it, it puts everybody off on the wrong foot already, because there was a lot of people, like, getting in. Yeah, we. I mean, we we didn't. We we got in. We got in the queue at twenty five to eight, and we got in at what one minute past eight. We yeah, missed the kick off just after kick off. Yeah, um, and as I said, we we got our we got our, got to our seats, which we didn't really use. <laughs> uh, front row, right behind the goal, stood within I would say less than ten yards away from Tim Howard. Yeah, um, and so we had a great view. <laughs> Which wasn't really a good thing, was it? No. We we would have had a great view of any Everton goals that got scored. However, there wasn't any. No. Uh, so, as a start-off, start-off quite brightly for the Blues. Uh, Ross Barkley, it was a big boost for us coming in, uh, knowing he's fit. 
uh, picks up a, a bit of a loose ball or a ball off Pina. Runs runs at the Liverpool defenders, which we were hoping we were going to see a lot of because, you know, they've not been great at the back. Uh, gets hold of a shot, puts his foot to it. And from where we were stood, it looked like it was going right in the yeah, top corner one, start, in yeah. one of the goals of the century. Yeah, but uh, just whistled over the bar a little bit. But it was a good... Uh... Probably to anyone watching on TV, it might have been a mile over. I've got no idea. But from where we were sat, our vantage point, because we were very low down, it just looked like it was perfectly you know, going to burst the top corner. Good statement of intent there. Yeah. And I think I looked at you at this point and, and gave a little nod and thought, we could be on here. Yeah. So... Uh... Can you remember any other decent points? I mean, they, they, they knocked a few times. Can you remember any? Yeah, I mean, the pattern of play then started to develop in. Liverpool took hold of the ball. Um, you know, they they were having... I wouldn't say they were having a massive amount of possession, but what they were doing is they were, it was incisive possession. They seemed to cut us open a little t- a few times. Sturridge was getting into positions where he was he was free. He was getting shots off. Now, they were not, they were not really... Threatening shots. They weren't great efforts, but they were put, they were making Howard work. Well, one Howard of, was going was having to pull off saves, wasn't he? In the, there was know. one of them. I think Henderson had a, had a volley, uh, and Sturridge looked like he was going to have a volley, but instead dinked it through to Sterling, who was coming through, and uh, Howard came out and made the save. Um, but they, what we'll say is they they had a lot of pace running at us, didn't they? In a, in a, we did not, and we had a defence that was pretty much devoid of pace. We had, uh, you know, we had, we all know Suarez and, and how much what his work rate's like, and you know how much he runs at defenders. But uh, you know, Coutinho, Sterling, they, they were all at it up for it, weren't they? They were all running at us non-stop. Um, and you know, it's this system we've talked about it a few times. When our full-backs go up and the centre-backs kind of go left a little bit and right a little bit, um, and when our fullbacks were still up the field, their fullbacks were bombing on and their forwards were bombing on as well. So we were being completely outnumbered. We were being overrun. And as well as Liverpool's attacking side of the game, it, it suddenly became very apparent that they weren't going to allow us to play. Because you know, every time Howard got the ball and we were trying to knock it out to you know, Jagielka or to Alcaraz, straight away they were being closed down. Suarez had closed down Jagielka all the time. Yeah. You know, they'd force us to play it back to Howard or to play it across, and we were get we were basically getting very nervous and getting boxed in. So my my, my I've got like a just just a little question. Why didn't we stop doing that then? Because that's just not that's. That's not the pattern of play. That is the pattern of play now, isn't it? And we don't seem to have any plan it's, B. I know, that's the thing. If it's not working, if you're being closed down and your, your defenders shit themselves every time a, defend, a, a striker's closing them down and then they have to knock it back to Howard who's also shitting himself because he's got two attackers closing them down and just kicks it into touch, change it. I don't see what the problem is. All right, so you, you're trying to play your normal game. You've gone there. I know what Roberto's done. He's gone there and he said, listen, boys, we're doing well playing our own game. Stick with the normal game plan. Have the full-backs up high. You know, pass it round. Draw them onto us and hit them on the break. That's what we do well and that's what he's tried to do. He's not done a David Moyes tactics where he's changed the, changed the game plan for the game. He's gone to have a go. They countered that by closing us down. Now, after we'd after Jagielka had been closed down by Suarez two or three times, what we should have done then is, 
you know, Howard should have called an audible basically and said, right, the next two or three times I'm going to have it, I'm going to launch it. I'm going to launch it and try and hit mix the it, Mix it up. And then, and then the Liverpool players in their minds will all think, well, we better start dropping in a bit now because it's going long. And then, exactly what you're saying, and then mix it up. It was all far too predictable. Yeah. So what, what about, you know, when we first, when the system first started, uh, the, the left centre-back would go left, right centre-back would go right, and Gibson would drop, or Barry would drop into that hole that they've just made, and he'd pick up the ball... And he played the low ball, and then we keep possession that way. Um, and obviously, we got caught out on that once when it was done to Osman, and um, in, in the Sunderland game. But you've got to have a little bit, of, little bit of a variety there, haven't you? You know, if that's not working, if it's Jaggy Elka who's not the most comfortable on the ball, um, and Alcaraz who sometimes was too comfortable on the ball, and Stones who was sometimes too comfortable on the ball, um, because you know, we're thinking he was anyway, and it's. It's it's they they that showed their statement of intent straight away and it really rattled us straight away. And it, was, it was like playing a lower league side the it, way they were getting onto us. And you're right, and and that was followed up then basically by sort of attacks in waves, wasn't it? And there was a wave after wave of attack, and one of these attacks uh, led to a corner. Yeah, so controversial corner, as in uh, Suarez has stood there. In front of what four thousand Everton fans just like basically give me the ball, and I think that's a bit soft, you know. Yeah, what, he, what he should have done was the ball had obviously gone into crowd. The Evertonians, the, the Evertonian had the ball. Suarez doesn't need to doesn't need to worry about the ball. Suarez should have just walked up to the corner. Now I'm not, you know, no, con- you can't blame him for what. Con- condo- yeah, I'm not condoning anything happened. And I'm not blaming him, but he should know, you know how these things work and what incites people. So Suarez just stood there in front of all the Evertonians basically saying, give me the ball, give me the ball. The ball gets held onto for a while and then somebody throws the ball at Suarez uh, and then I don't know whether he pulled a face or he laughed or if he did anything, he may not have done anything. I didn't see it, I can't say. Uh, and then he starts walking across the, the line of the Evertonians to the corner and idiots started throwing Things I don't know what they were coins like possibly. It looks like well, it looked like he got through a fifty p atom or something. So he bends down, picks that up, throws that up over to the ref, and then so we're like, oh god, this this again. And I I just about uh, finished saying to you, this could be worse. Just just could just be a goal here. The ball comes across as soon as I'm saying that, and um, Gerard of all people. Yeah, the, the the cross got swung in, decent cross into you know into the danger area. Um, a bit of a a freak occurrence really in the box. It looked Gareth Barry was running to the ball to try and head it out as was Lukaku, and it looked like Barry slipped. And Barry basically did a two footed challenge on Lukaku, yeah, uh, and took it and took him down. Uh, and because of the two of them went out of the game, Gennar basically had a free header and free header, bit of a bully. Head back back of his head, uh, and stones on the line. It's just too fast for him. And it is if that net wasn't there, it probably would have hit us. That's that's how close we were to the to the goal. Um, but it was just absolute absolute nightmare to, yeah. to be confounded by uh, the fact that play was then halted for three minutes while Lukaku got treatment. On just the before deck. we go on to Lukaku's injury, um, you know. 
I fully accept that we had a poor performance last night and Liverpool deserved the three points. They were a much better team. And this may sound like a bitter comment, but it's only going to be Evertonians listening to this. So, you know, I'm sure we don't have many red listeners. What I will say is, if I was an Everton player yeah. and I scored in a big Merseyside derby, the first thing I would do would be to run to my fans. We said this about Sturridge in the other game. We did in the, in, in the, in the game of Goodison. I would want to celebrate with my fans. Every time Liverpool scored, they just ran in front of the Everton supporters and started celebrating in front of the Everton supporters. And even at the end of the game, at the end of the game, like Skirtle and a few others came over and started celebrating in front of the Evertonians. And again, you know, there's going to be a big uproar over coin throwing and the Everton fans are going to be the worst and you know it is it's abominable behaviour and it, it shouldn't be tolerated but I think the players have also got to take some sort of you know I've got to realise that they're also responsible to in a certain degree celebrate with your own fans there's no need to incite anything yeah that's you know I, I couldn't think of anything worse going over and celebrate, celebrating it would be like why you go and celebrate go run down to the cop that's meant the famous spire yeah. and cop. It's antagonistic. Well, even even the Anfield Road end, it, the other side, half yeah. of it's uh, half of Evertonians and half of it's Liverpool supporters. So. Five meters from us, there's the other side at the Anfield Road, but they come and celebrate in front of us, and it's. It, I think it's just it's antagonistic, yeah. and they're paid very well to know better. Yeah, but anyway, rant over. Uh, as we said, so Lukaku was on the ground and um, it didn't look good, did it? He, he was rolling around in agony, he was screaming, uh, he was reacting a lot worse than what Oviedo was reacted the other week. Maybe that says something about the two players, but uh, I'd say no more about that. Um, and uh, he ended up getting stretched off. Debating the options. And we were like kind of debating before the change was made. We didn't have a striker on the bench. Yeah. So what? What? You know, I think what an option could have been was maybe put McGeady or Osman on. And Stick Morales up top. Morales up top. Yeah. That's that's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, however, we brought Nate Smith on and put H Smith up front. Um, in his defence, the lad had scored two goals in a game. You know, three four days earlier. You won nil down in the biggest Merseyside derby. He in scored years. in the derby before, Naismith. But he scored against Chelsea. He's got a habit against scoring against, you know, big sides. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm clutching at straws to try and justify this. Um, we didn't have many options, um, and that's what Roberto went for. Yeah. So uh, we we started to get a little bit of control in the game there though from that point one nil down it was very short lived no I mean we had a good couple of chances I think one Morales had a great run uh, and, and got a shot off and had another great run uh, burst into the box um, skipped past a few challenges had a little bit of contact which I don't think was quite enough for a penalty but it, it looked like he was trying to it looked like you know he was trying to draw in the foul uh, but it kind of ran through to Jagielka who slid and hooked the ball uh, decent effort but um, didn't manage to um, didn't manage to uh, get it get it beyond Mignolet and then Gareth Barry knocked the rebound wide um, and I, I think those two th- that, those two chances in one I, they were clinical with their chances with their chance chances 
you know, with yeah. their actual opportunities, and we weren't, you know. Well, again, without wanting to sound like them in a way, uh, I think the stats show that I think we had more possession and we had, I think, more passes during the game, didn't we? But that that counts for nothing because, as you say, everything they did was clinical. Yeah. So from one of these opportunities. Uh, they get a decent breakaway, and I think it was a possibly Gerard to Coutinho, and a decent little through ball onto Sturridge, who I absolutely can't stand. And he, uh, you're now saying Sturridge has replaced Suarez as your most hated Liverpool player, are you? Right, with Suarez, right, he he's got that that line of like you know you know he's he's a nutter, but does he does some class things, and you know he he. he Kind of bundles his way through challenges, but he's he's a great finisher a lot of the time, and would stood it and and you know the way he celebrates his goals, it, it it looks like he actually cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. It looks like he actually loves scoring goals and he loves um, playing football. Yeah. Sturridge, he scored two goals last night. Could have had a hat trick, and he's just got that horrible horrible little smug face, like you know, like. At the end of the day, Suarez is twice the player Sturridge is, but Sturridge is the more arrogant of the two. Yeah, well, that's it, that's it, that says it all. And they're doing that, for that stupid dance. What is it? It's, 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 it's a novelty thing that should have wore off after one, one game. You do it once. It's, it's a goal. It's meant to be one of the best feelings in the world. A score in a Merseyside derby, and you're going to go and do that. Why don't you just run over to your manager and say, oh, you know, thanks, run over to your fans, celebrate with them. Instead, you just look like an absolute dick doing that. I just... Anyway. And then, not only did you do it once, but that finish. Yeah, so, we find ourselves 2-0 down, and, you know, heads were starting to go down in the crowd. Um, there was seats... The seat got ripped out at one point, didn't it? Uh, I don't know if it was after the second goal or the third goal. Some idiot in the Everton end had ripped one of the seats out and launched it, and it nearly took uh, your head off, didn't it? Before just narrowly missing a steward. Yeah. Um, and you know, there was a bit of a depression <laughs> with the, to say the least, uh, with the Evertonians, uh, and it suddenly got very worse, as you say, with Sturridge popping up again and you know scoring. <laughs> you know, I can't do anything else except to give him a bit of credit and say it was a great finish. Uh, but it was, you know, Liverpool have got a bit of a habit, haven't they? Like, not, well, not lately, but, you know, there was one to Suarez not long ago where they just punt a long ball up. Um, and They're just more more lively. They just read the read the ball. It wasn't... I, I thought it was an excellent three ball at first, but then watching a little bit closer, I think it was uh, Sissoko who was closed down and he kind of punted the field a little bit. He does and it turns it. in. It turns into a perfect through ball because Sturridge read it well. It goes to Sturridge and, and Jagielka's with him, but Sturridge sort to get the better of Jagielka. Uh, and Tim Howard decides he's going to, even though the ball's outside the box, uh, he's going to start racing off his line to try and close Sturridge down. Um, Strange decision, but I, I don't know what else really he could have done because we were sort of very, caught very short at the back uh, and Sturridge just turns and, and lobs him with a, a great finish. But I mean, Perfect if, you look at it, if you look at it, you, you, know, you could argue if he hadn't come out, Sturridge was through on his own. Well, that's what I mean. And I, he, he could have done, you know, he, he, less than two minutes before, he's beaten one-on-one. So does he want to do that one-on-one or do you want to take a chance and try and cut it out? It just so happens that he's got to a first and he's done him again. That's what I mean. I mean, you know, 
initially, I, I seen it on the ground straight away. I blamed Howard. I thought Howard was at fault for it. Um, we were right behind the goal when we were when it went in with Howard and. and you know, somebody decided to take a photograph of me off the telly after that goal went <laughs> yeah. in, and I, you know, I look crazy like I'm like I'm shadow boxing with someone, and I think I was gesturing and I wanted to punch Howard because <laughs> I was blaming him for the goal. But looking back on reflection, he, it was one of them situations where I don't know what else he could have done. You know, I think he was probably hoping that maybe there'd be a miscontrol from storage or maybe Jagielka could get like a, something on it and he'd be able to clean up. But um, great finish from the lads, but yeah, he's a tit. Yeah, so anyway, so uh, not much, not much else happened. First half, they have a few, like, a few uh, more long ranges. We have a few half efforts which are closed down. Um, very closely, don't really make it very far. Uh, so it's, it's it's just absolute nightmare. And three uh, nil. Yeah, the story of the first half was they didn't let us play our game. As we said, they didn't let us play both from the back. They didn't let Barry or McCarthy really get into the game. Uh, and they were clinical when they when he they came up and broken either caught us on the break or, or built an attack from midfield. Um, and you know. I said at half time it's just it's a case of damage limitation now. I think I couldn't see us coming back into the game, you know, devoid of a natural striker, natural goal scorer. Um I, I was worried that it could have you know, at half time I was thinking this could be six or seven nil. Yeah. There was more than anything, there was no real outlet. The outlets were plus Baines. Baines didn't have his best game, but as as we'll talk about a little bit more probably, the other outlet, John Stones, he just Let's cover that at the end of the yeah, at the end okay, of the game, yeah. okay? So we're we're obviously we're forty six minutes into this podcast already. So we normally by now we've done three sections. Uh, we're still on the first one, so we'll whiz through the second half because let's face it, there was no great real no Osman, talking points. Osman on at half time, so there's a, there's a talking point, and he started off pretty brightly, um, but uh, whatever happened, I mean. Just though you should say it was Osman for PNR, wasn't it? Oh yeah, PNR. Who was just yeah. We'll yeah. talk about that in a minute as well. Um, Osman had come on for PNR, uh, and it did. I would say it did improve us slightly. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, um, but the scoreline didn't get any better. It didn't get better. It got worse. Uh, we found ourselves four 0 down. So Jagielka on the halfway line. In fact, it was beyond the halfway line. It was just inside their half, and he tries a little ten yard pass. To the right hand side, doesn't connect well, and uh, knocks it two yards to Suarez, who runs onto it and then runs the entire half. He run, he, did he get it actually in his own half, or was it? It was pretty. It was very close to the halfway line, wasn't yeah. it? Either side, he picks it up. There's two defenders trying both, to chase him down. Both the wrong side of thirty trying to chase him down. It was, yeah. was Gareth Barry and uh, I think it was Barry and Jagielka trying to chase him down. And uh, Suarez was quicker with the ball. Than both of them without the ball, yeah. which I don't, I, you know, yeah. I don't know how that works. However, he was, he did very well. He was strong. He held them off. He stayed composed. He slotted the finish, four 0 Yep, and once again, it could have been uh, even worse again because a few minutes later, um, another through ball with a, with a, a pacey attacker running onto it this time, Sterling. Uh, Howard comes racing out like a headless chicken 
doesn't manage to connect with the ball. Luckily, Sterling has knocked the ball far too wide or he would have been off. Um, but as it is, it's a penalty anyway. It's a penalty. Uh, Steven Gerrard obviously usually takes the penalties for them. Sturridge decided to take it because he was on a hat-trick. Obviously, Sturridge, being an England striker, whacked the ball into Rosehead and, and hit it over. Uh, missed penalty. At this point, a lot of Evertonians started leaving, uh, including one of the people we were with decided he was going home. Um, and it was 4 0, and that's how it stayed through the game. Um, there wasn't really much to talk about after that, was there? Morales and Osman sort of combined a few times. You know, did McCarthy, it, McCarthy started to did, add a little bit more. Yeah, they didn't stop working. We thought, we, you know, we didn't forge any great chances. There was a couple of times the ball got knocked across the, the area and uh, Naismith might have been able to do a little bit better to get on the end of something, but there was nothing great, was there, after that? McGeady came on. Who for? <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember. I'd completely... Barkley. Yeah, Barkley after, you know, to give Barkley a rest. McGeady did nothing really when he come on. At this point, I'd lost the will to live. I was, you know... Headbutton like the me seat. Um, I, I just didn't want to be there. But I have to, well, we both have this strange sense of loyalty, don't we? Where we never leave before a full time whistle. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to admit, I was just I was that hurt and that disappointed last night that you know I was thinking how much more I can take. And you're not there. You're not there to see. If you were there to see a club win week in or week out, you wouldn't be watching Everton. We are there to support the club through thick and thin. But sometimes it gets a little bit much, and it was very close to being a little bit much last night. It was, yeah, it was. It was difficult. It was. It was a very hard night to be an Evertonian last night. Um, you know, <laughs> a very similar thing happened to us two years ago, didn't it? When we went and Gerard got a hat trick and we got beat three 0 and you know, it was hard to take, and it's hard to go there and do it again, and do it year after year and get beat there. And um, yeah, we thought we'd turn that corner, though, hadn't we? We did. We thought things would be different, you know. Now that we haven't maybe got the the, the negative uh, setup that Moyes used to go with, perhaps uh, we thought we'd have more of a chance under Roberto Martinez. And as I said at the start of this, he didn't put a negative team out as such, uh, but it was just a poor, poor performance. Uh, and I, I want to really touch on those performances now. Yeah, uh, I mentioned at the start that John Stones. Um, I, th- I felt that he made the wrong choice not playing Hibbert and playing Stones Stones was so out of his depth it was unbelievable I felt I felt sorry for the lad he, he, he's done you know over the last couple of months he's come into the first team he, you know he's he's looked he's looked comfortable he's looked good at centre half you know he's built up a bit of a confidence he's got like a you know a nice sort of swagger to his play it's games like that last night that can destroy a player's confidence and, and and can destroy them. I think I mentioned on our website today, you know, a few years ago, Liverpool had that Andre Wisdom who they thought was going to be the next big thing. He played in a Merseyside derby at right-back and got terrorised for 45 minutes by Kevin Morales, got turned inside out to Goodison. I don't think he's ever played for them again since. I haven't seen him. Well, let's, I mean, just to put into perspective how much he struggled, Sissoko, Made uh, made it. He made Sissoko look good. Well, yeah, and he was just, you know, there was for the majority of the first half, for most of the game, you know, he's in, 
the opposing half on the right wing. Yeah. You know, he was playing to all intent and pitch. He's a centre-half playing as a right winger. So a long ball had come up to him and, you know, he'd, he'd probably win the header. But then he'd get the ball at his feet and it was just pedestrian time. It was like he, he, he couldn't, he didn't know how to run with the ball. He, you know, he was he was playing like a centre-half. Yeah, in this centre-half position. You know, whereas if you're centre-half, you get the ball there, you get it under control, you try and analyse where the players are, pick out a pass. He was doing that on right wing. You can't do that on the right wing. You've got to get to the line, put a cross in, or drop it back, drop it back to uh, into your midfield. He was just taking, you know, trying to get it under uh, and then having a look and then thinking maybe trying to take someone on. But by that time... The defender's already back and nicked it off him, and he got caught so many times in possession. And you know, as you, you know, I do fear for him. The thing I was thinking today: should we have taken him off? But well, we should. Have, but that could have hurt him even more. Well, no, I don't. I I really do think that after an hour, Martinez should have should have put it on. Should have put it on because it was just. It wasn't like you know, two one out of three times he get caught in position and he lose it. It was every single time the ball went to him. And I just fell for the lad. I don't blame him. I'm not criticising him because I do think he's going to be an outstanding centre half. Uh, he was just played well out of position, and you know, I don't want to say any more about that. I hope you know he bounces back and it'll be forgotten about. One person who it can't be forgotten about the way he played last night because he's got no excuses about being played out of position is Stephen Pienaar. Now I know he faced a late fitness test. So. That's that's what I was just going to say. I mean, it's the was that the issue? Was it? Was he unfit? Well, if he's unfit, he shouldn't have been playing. He was deemed fit enough to play. Now he must have some say in that. He must have told the manager he was fit enough to play. So if you're Stephen Pienaar, you've got a responsibility to your teammates in the football club to be honest. So if you're not fit going into a Merseyside derby, you have to say, "Listen, Gaffer, you know I want to play in this game, but I'm not fit enough." Pienaar's told him he's fit enough, so he is fit enough, so he can't blame coming back from injury. He was terrible. Um, so, I, I think there was a few big risks in that game last night, and I think uh, the three of them failed. And you might say, on the latter one, you might disagree with me. don't think Stones worked uh, at, no. at, right, uh, at right back. Uh, I don't think uh, Pienaar worked... I don't think he just looked off it he just looked completely off it he tried a few things which didn't come off but he didn't really he just didn't really look right and the final one and this this is going to be a little bit of a controversial one I don't think Ross Barkley he kept trying to do things but he didn't look he was bullied off a little bit he was like schooled a little bit and maybe that was because he was, you know, he had a few really good, strong runs, a few. But a few of the times he was just bullied off the ball. I thought his first touch was still great, you know. He still oh, yeah, he's some, shown some signs of, of brilliance, you know, I think. But I just think, you know, their, their midfields just ran the game. They, they really did. I mean, you know, I, I find it really difficult to give them praise, but... He just outclassed us, and in particular, I thought Coutinho was just 
was 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 brilliant, wasn't he? he just you know, he showed you how not to get bullied in midfield. Yeah, and he's, he's little... five foot seven. Yeah. He weighs eight stone, but he you know he didn't get bullied in midfield, and he, you know he, he was at the heart of everything they did, um, and. You know, I, t- I just think I think a lot of the time Ross had a lack of, a lack of options. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but maybe you know, give an hour and then put Ross on, and then with uh, his fr- fresh ish legs, maybe impact there. I mean, it's easy to be you know championship manager or whatever and like you know play from there, but I, I just don't think it was a risk that worked. On. Look, trying to find some bright points in that, which is going to be difficult. Um, I would say Morales put a lot of effort in. He yeah, wasn't great. This is this is a funny one. This because when we got back to players after you know and spoke to people who watched it on TV and they said he was the only one trying, the only one who did anything, and he was class and he was the man of the match overall. And and, and from where we were sat. He was a bit frustrating, was he? Wasn't he? Yeah, he's just—he's got that little petulant streak about him, and he seems to be more obsessed with, you know, trying to get a little dig in at certain players, or you know, he's doing stupid things like he pushed at one point, he pushed someone like I think it was a skater or someone. I think it was Kelly, and he'd already been booked. Kelly, it was yeah. He pushed him in the back, and it was just—it was frustrating. But he, you know, he, he was like the busiest of our players, I would say. Uh, I thought him and Barkley put in a good shift. I thought Osman looked decent yeah, when, right, he, when he, when on, he yeah. come on. You know, other than that, nothing. See, I, I still think I think McCarthy played well. I thought Barry had his worst game for us. Um, it's just his control was off and his tackling wasn't good for once. Um, and overall, I think it was an off day for everyone. Lukaku was non-existent before he uh, before he went off again. Um, and I think Naismith tried more than Lukaku did. Yeah, but, but he just, just yeah, not, Tr- trying uh, in games like that. Trying, you need more than just being able to try, don't you? I mean, my my biggest, my biggest peeve from last night, so to speak, um, was, and I quite put this on our Facebook, and it's a little bit controversial. I got told to behave, um, you know, why do we bother going there? Why do we bother as fans going there? And as I, said, as I said before, it's not to see us win week in, week out or whatever. It's uh, to show our support and to get behind the lads and a wish that um, their, uh, their effort matched ours at times. Because last night, I don't think their desire was there as much as Liverpool's was. If you just look at those those chances, look look at their, their shots, you know, the shots they had which Howard had to save. How many shots did we have which were just blocked about a yard away? They were, like just, they were getting everything in front of the ball. Um, you know, the, the, the header, Gerard won. We had a few, we had a few uh, corners in which were flicked on. And there was just nobody there for free. You know, free headers, nobody there getting on the end of them. There was that chance where McCarthy was running into the box, knocked it across, and as we said before, Naismith failed to get on the end of it. And it was right across the, the six-yard line. Now, and it's desire that gets you in there. I agree, I agree. They wanted it more. And as an Evertonian, that's harder to take than a 4-0 scoreline. Yeah, and it, 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 it was like the other way around. It was like they were, you know, this small club. And they wanted it more than us. And their team, 
their teamwork. We're meant to be the team. They're meant to be the individuals. We're meant to be the team and have all this amazing uh, teamwork. And, you know, uh, team spirit. Team spirit, yeah. And it just wasn't there last night. Uh, and how, did you see Gerard's face when he scored? How much do he love that? He loves it, doesn't he? He loves it at the end of the day. And he's done it to us so many times. And, and we fall for it every time. How, how many out of our players could have matched Gerard's passion for that last night? Do you think maybe Barkley, maybe Jagielka and Osman? Hibbo. Yeah, yeah. But he wasn't playing. So, um, so yeah, you know, I can't even put into words how disappointing last night was. Maybe we should have just not done that bit because that was a long... Yeah, we've done an hour already. Mean, a, you right. know. Uh, maybe, we, we were, just to let you know, with about 10 minutes left to go in the game, we were desperately trying to think of a way we could get the match abandoned. Oh, yeah. So we sorry. contemplated running onto the pitch. Um, we were thinking about trying to break into you know the generator room and cut the floodlights, um, uh, but it just wasn't possible. We were so. praying for one of the police helicopters to crash into. You us, were to crash <laughs> that into, us, into the uh, into Anfield Road. Stand. We were, yeah, we were happy to die if it meant the game would get abandoned. So we do apologise. We could have done a bit more to try and get the game abandoned. However, we couldn't. So um, at the end of the day, we've lost three points in an away game. You've got to look at it that way. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. Aston Villa next weekend. But the preview of that's going to be coming up after the news section. Yeah, we'll just go to the news in a sec. And then uh, yeah, back with that preview in a minute. News! That news jingle sounded far too cheery for this news section today. But uh, as we said before we came in, we're going to put the shambles of the derby last night behind us and we're going to try and cheer up a little bit unfortunately though the first two pieces of news uh, aren't very good ones because uh, well I suppose relatively I mean we already touched on Aviedo's injury so the good news is uh, that he overcome surgery and it was a success on Monday um, the bad news is that surgery was uh, a fractured tibula and fibula bone uh, double, Dr- fracture. double fracture so it was uh, indeed it was indeed as bad as was first feared you know it's a bad injury it's an injury that you know 10 years ago basically finished a lot of careers didn't it but well, this uh, leg was the wrong way it was yeah i mean the pictures were horrible um but you know <sighs> over recent years you've seen quite a few players come back from that haven't you i mean ross barkley for one uh, Maka, Conor Makalini didn't he have a similar injury and he was back on the bench for the Stevenage game he was yeah and that yeah. was only earlier on in the season so, so um, the, the bad news obviously for Oviedo is it looks like that you know he's 99% certain that he's going to miss the World Cup with Costa Rica in the summer there's a chance for him there's a, there's a very slim chance I, I don't think he'll be back for that um, and if I do I think he's taking a big risk coming back for it um, and you know Let's face it, I mean, Costa Rica, they're not, they're not guaranteed to, you know, they're not Brazil, are they? They're not guaranteed to qualify for every single World Cup. It could be the only chance the lad ever gets to play in the World Cup. Um, and he's going to miss it. And it's gutted because he's such, you know, I know we say like we say this about all our players, but he, he just comes across as such a good fella, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? And such a proud blue. Well, I saw, those, I saw the pictures today and I didn't realise Morales after the final whistle, whistle last night. 
uh, he had on his top. He must have been planning to score or something. That's why he was trying so well. He had Oviedo baby on his top for, for you know, lifting his shirt up to celebrate. And I didn't realise that until... Is that what it was on his Oviedo top? Oviedo yeah. baby, yeah. And um, all last night, you know, we got, got home and um, on the way back last night, checked on Twitter. And Oviedo was all over Twitter when the match was on saying, come on, you blues, love you blues. And then after the result, he tweeted... You imagine, you know, you've just been playing for the Blues and double fracture of your leg and he sat there watching, tweeting away to Evertonians and he, he said, uh, he, he posted in English and Spanish um, chin up after the result and or whatever it is, in, uh, Arriba Cabrita or something like that. Head it's got Spanish knowledge, that's um, Head up in, in, uh, in, you know, on his, on his Twitter. And also... Uh, not long after the result, he, he posted a picture of the Everton badge, badge with uh, "Proud to be a Blue" on there, and it's just, it's just, how many modern. But you've got to, you've got to think that? how low he's got to be at that time as well. You know, he's already low off the injury. Obviously, he's going to be depressed. He's not going to get to play football for the next however long, uh, and then you know, four days later, he has to sit in a hospital room and watch that. Uh, you know, I'm gutted for the lad. I really am, and I just hope he comes back. You know, stronger and so, better. You know, the, the support though. Um, in fact, we'll know we'll cover this on our social media section. But the support for him has been great anyway. Um, uh, on a Brighton, when it comes to left backs, on a Brighton news, uh, Leighton Baines has signed a four-year deal. Yeah, four-year deal announced on Monday. So, is he the highest earning player at the club now? I, I don't, there's no details of the contract been leaked as far as I know. Um, but yeah, I would imagine so. I think he's probably on about seventy-five grand a week. Um, and you know, it was a bit of a signal of intent. I would think you could say from from Everton. I think Gary Lineker of all people tweeted, uh, basically saying that he thinks the sign and the Baines on a steel meant Everton meant business. Um, so you know, good. It puts to bed a lot of speculation, doesn't it? Yeah, and he, he came out and said he's always been happy at Everton and he's happy to stay. Of course, so first the- player in a long time. I think we've actually. Been able to make stay. Who who've had serious interest from you know one of the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, big big teams. Um, so another player um, who we, we talked about uh, from last night who got injured, Lukaku. So the first fears were that he would miss the World Cup as well. Um, but there's now uh, the, the, there's now uh, it's not as as serious as first feared, but still. He is going to be out for three or four weeks at least. At least, yeah. And so, that's still yet to be confirmed. So I think we're going to see uh, Mr. Traore. Uh, oh, yeah, so... A lot sooner than we thought we would, probably would. We we couldn't confirm that either way last week because he still he didn't put uh, finishing touches to the deal until Friday evening. Um, and so, welcome to Everton, Lucina Traore. Um, is it true that the, the reason there was a hold-up on the deal is because... We couldn't confirm with Nike whether we could get shirts made that were long enough to fit them. Uh, I cannot confirm either way that. Also. Right. Okay. I I was told that the FA told that he's not allowed to wear a belly top to play football, so he couldn't wear a normal length shirt because <laughs> he's that long. You have to just stitch two together. Yeah, I think that's what they've done. Right. Okay. Uh, so one player in, and um, we're linked with a couple more players in. Uh, one of them. Uh, Canales, who uh, he's put in a transfer request today. So, do you think he's trying to force through a move to us? 
Well, we've been linked with uh, Sergio Canales, who's a young Spanish uh, attacking midfielder. I know him extremely well because I worked with him on a professional basis for a number of years. Oh yeah, when you were manager of Manchester City. Yeah, on yeah, this was on Football Manager. But but we, you know, I built up a good reputation uh, on the game, and I built up a good relationship with him, really. So, so you'd be looking forward to having him at the club. I'll be looking forward for him to come back. He'll probably come on the podcast because we know each other so well. Like, um, you know, he was a. Uh, you know, one of the best Spanish uh, prospects a few years ago. I think he was it Santander. I think he played for at the time, uh, and you know, he, isn't that a bank? It is, yeah. Uh, you can, and you know, he scored goals for fun uh, in, in a season, and, he, and then he ended up going to Real Madrid, uh, quite a big fee. Uh, and I think it was just, I think it was around about the time Mourinho took over at Madrid, and for whatever reason, you know, Mourinho bought, brought in a couple of other players. He didn't really get a game. I think he went out on loan to Valencia. Uh, and then ended up signing for Valencia, got injured quite early on and hasn't really played much since. Uh, so he was looking to kickstart his career. Uh, and he's been could be part of Roberto's revolution. He could be. be he is definitely a Roberto Martinez type of player. Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, well I mean I I, I think that's that's an improvement on the type of players we've been linked with because He's, he's the type of player, if you told me two years ago that we were linked with him, I'd have laughed at you and gone, absolutely no chance, because he was the hottest prospect in Spanish football. So, um, as I said before, uh, another player who, 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 who's back in the fold is uh, Luke Garber. He's ended his spell at, um, at Yeovil. Does he you know Colchester? Colchester, yeah. Colchester. Uh, it's all the others who were on at Yeovil. Um, so... The talk was after the Oviedo injury that he, uh, Roberto would be in the market for uh, somebody to fill in that position, but it looks like Garbage's going to fill that role. Whether he's good or not uh, is another matter, really. Um, I mean, we're in the lucky position, aren't we? You know, it, it, I know Baines was injured for part of this season, but he, he's someone who, who very rarely gets injuries, isn't he, Baines? Yeah, and he's the best in the, in the country, Europe, possibly yeah, so. the world, at what he does, so... Yeah, so we don't really need, you know, a proper first team, first teamer for that. So Garbage should be able to provide decent cover. Um, Lascelles, who we got fined for approaching when he was, what was that, sixteen? Yeah, this news story broke, didn't it? Did we cover this on last week's podcast? I don't um, remember if we did or not. I think we did. We, we got fined uh, one hundred and forty-five thousand or something. Um, no, it was forty odd thousand. I think it was. Yeah, for um, illegally approaching Jamal Lascelles when he was eighteen years of age. Obviously, our scouting network, as usual, uh, are about three years ahead of everyone else because uh, Mr. Lascelles is back in the news now. He's doing well for Forest and uh, apparently all sorts of Premier League clubs. I think Tottenham are strongly linked with him. I think um, we're interested ourselves, and and uh, I think even Liverpool might be interested in him. Whether we're allowed to go for him now, whether Forrest want to deal with us, is, a, is a, I don't know. Is another matter. Yeah, um, but there's going to be all kinds of links now, isn't it? Because transfer deadline day is on Friday. Yeah, two days away from transfer deadline day. I I do think we will bring someone in, and I think it might be Canales. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, the the midfield midfield's been somewhere we've been we've been quite strong for a number of years, but uh, when you haven't got an attacker and you're having to play midfielders up front, then there's just holes that appear everywhere, aren't they? The only thing is, though, I mean, he's not an out and out forward. What he's more plays in the Barkley role. Well, should he ease some of the pressure on Barkley though? You would think. 
So let, let I mean let's see how I, I I'd I'd snap Denando. If we can get him for the the fee that's being rumoured, which is six to seven million, uh I'd bite the land off. So one other bright bit of news is Delafeo is close to returning. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously there was talk last night about, you know, possibly having a, a raft of players back, but Delafeo is due back probably next week. Uh, and I think Coleman's due back next week as well. So apart from the long term absentees and now Lukaku, um we shall be so, a full So when, when we get to the villa preview uh, in a in a bit, we'll talk about whether we think those player players will make it. Um, but I mean that's it for the news at the moment but I just want to go back and touch on what a little bit um, on what I started a little bit before which was um, Oviedo the support forum and normally we, we want to try and do this social media section so I will just give you the links for that now and then we'll have a little bit of talk about it if that's alright This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, so as I was just mentioning just then, um, with the support uh, for Brian Oviedo, I mean, I think that kind of fits in with our social media thing. So before I get to your social media feedback, I just want to talk a little bit about what was um, Tuesday was meant to be hashtag OVA day. And, um, OVA day? OVA I didn't get day. onto that. I thought it was just Oviedo day. No, OVA day. OVA day, I like it. The, uh, the hashtag get well Oviedo was going around and there was a, a, bit, of a, um, like a bit of a campaign for uh, all Evertonians on Facebook and Twitter to change their profile picture to the picture of him celebrating on uh, distant shoulders from scoring the winner on Man U. And I'd say a lot of Evertonians did it. Yeah, there was. It was a it was, and it was a good turnout. Great show of support for the lads, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, all throughout last night, um, even though we were getting beat 4-0, you know, every now and then there was a bit of value, but... The, mo- the song that was probably sung the most was probably Oviedo Baby. I would, I, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, and, you know, 4-0. There was something we didn't mention before, but something, again, I put on our Facebook today. 4-0, and it was still like a library there, wasn't it? It was. They were quiet. I said this, I mean, coming out to the ground, you know, if, if Everton had just won 4-0 at Goodison, it would have been absolutely carnival party time. See, they're trying to say that that's because we're a small club, and it, it, they're used to it. But no matter who we be four nil, you celebrate the you celebrate the win, don't you? And you get behind I, I, the team. I, I, and I have a sing song. Small club or not small club, you know, it's still the Merseyside derby. Yeah, it, so. it's it's party time, and yet they were so quiet. I mean, you know, I, I'm not ta- well. I am trying to have a dig at them, but I'm not intentionally trying to have a dig at them. But I mean, when you'll never walk alone, I looked around because we were right near the, the set of fans in the Anfield Road, and I turned and looked. And there were so many of them that didn't even know the words. And they all just sat there, it was like they were at a funeral. Yeah, and they're beating Everton 4-0. You'll Never Walk Alone starts to be sung. And they didn't know the words, they didn't sing, they didn't have any passion. I just, it's laughable. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, but, but we were singing Oviedo, Baby, and I say the thing with Morales. And we've had one or two, uh, one or two uh, tweets and messages from, from Liverpool fans as well saying they wouldn't wish that upon anyone. 
and hope he gets well soon. But the support from the Blues has just been great, hasn't it, for Oviedo? It has, yeah, it has. Um, on to the social media uh, kind of feedback. Obviously, the main kind of one, I'm, I'm just going to go through the Twitters first before I mean, go through the Facebook. Right, okay. Is this an answer to what people wanted to speak about on the show, is it? Or is this in. Yeah, so I put the question out is, uh, you know, just about to, to do what could be a very grim show <laughs> today. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts to share? Uh, and that's been a pretty grim show. Um, I'll start with one from Facebook. The first one that was on Facebook um, it was from Dave Korf, who said, it's just one of them games, no justice from the ref again. I don't really agree with that. I, don't, I, don't, I, I thought, you know, the ref, I thought there was a lot of little free kicks, you know, in the no, start. No, I, I, I do agree. It was one of those games, as in it was one of those games, full stop. And... I don't, I don't, I, I, whether he's mean... No, there's no full stop in no. this. This is, this is one of them games he's saying we got beat because of the ref. I don't think that was the real reason we got beat, but, you know, everyone has their, their opinion. And, and the that's, ref was that's pretty, he was pretty... Sh- pretty he was rubbish. a homer. He was giving them free kicks and we weren't yeah, getting and free the, kicks. Yeah, and Gerard, you know, the, we, we got a booking for a bit of a daft one and Gerard didn't get a booking when, uh, I think it was, I think it was possibly Morales or Osman going through. So, I can understand a little bit of the point. But I, I, I think, that, you know, the real problem wasn't the ref for the, re, the overall results. Uh, over to Twitter with Johnny. Uh, Craig Riley, uh, um, at Craig on tour. I listen every week, usually uh, walking to work. Glad I'm off on holiday. I listen to the We Smashed Villa episode next, lads. So he's avoiding this week's show, so I don't even know why I mentioned that one. But he's, uh, <laughs> he obviously doesn't want to listen to us talk for an hour about... It's a bit ironic, isn't it, that the show that he won't listen to is the show he gets a shout out on? Yeah, but no, I think he will listen really anyway. Saves you right if you don't listen anyway. Um, back to Facebook, Paul Jonesy Jones. Campaign against BT Sports commentary. Michael Owen is annoying and the one side pundit. Well, I think that's what we, we spoke We about. mentioned about this, haven't we? we this, this is uh, TV in general, isn't it? I mean, now we've, we've got a couple of representatives like uh, Kevin Kilban and Andy Gray on, uh, on, on you know, who's back on telly. But they're all over and Andy. Uh, well, Adam also added to that saying, Janola was okay though, brought a bit of hum- humour to a lousy night. You, could, you just you can never beat a bit of David Janola. <laughs> He's one of your left-wing fantasy fellas, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah, one of my fantasy fellas, along with like seeing balls getting taken out of the cup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Neil M at Nismo Neil. Uh, not a lot we can do just hope we can put it right against Villa hashtag EFC um, uh, Andy Christian who's on our Facebook quite a bit uh, we've just got to be Villa now it's going to be tough yeah so I'm just trying to find more Twitters now um, sorry more tweets now um, well, I'll just do another one uh, Samantha White makes an interesting point she says uh, the response to both the result and the injury crisis will be the measure of Martinez Uh the result last night was a horrific aberration. She's, better, she's got a better vocabulary than we have. Uh, Defence was disrupted but shouldn't have collapsed the way it did. I fully agree, I agree Samantha. With that, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy for us to say injuries, but if you look at Liverpool, they had, you know, three of their probably first choice back four missing also. Um, They'll need the crowd behind them over the next few weeks. Again, Samantha, I fully agree. This is definitely winning most sensible uh, post of the week, I think. Uh, and also Oviedo, what a ledge. He had me in bits with his tweets. 
Yeah, he was. I mean, we talked about it already, the fact that he, he takes the time to do that and he's trying to get behind the boys and show his team spirit and support is great. Um, Dan, Dan Emson, um, he, he's one of our listeners from the state. Let's not read all this out because he's wrote, like, uh, War and Peace. Yeah, uh, going to pick the highlights out then. <laughs> uh, well, he's, obviously, he lives over in America and he had uh, the joy that is Graham Lasso to listen to on his commentary and, and punditry. So, but uh, Al- neither Alcaraz or Jags covered themselves in glory. Stone's got himself in g- good positions in the first half, but unfortunately, he's not Seamus, uh, who would really drove into them rather than always checking and play it back. And that, it was a huge problem, wasn't it? It was completely the most. I think it was the most glaring thing, the fact that Stones kept checking back. Um, last man of the match, he, he says. Yeah, I agree with that. And then at the end of Dan's Dan Dan Dan's post, he says. Um, uh, sorry about rambling, but I've got nobody to vent to over here in the States. That's all well and good, but uh, if you're going to say sorry for it, just don't ramble. Just be to the point, Dan. No, Come on. And, and he, well, he, he says bring on the villa anyway as well too. So, yeah, we've got to beat them, haven't we, on Saturday. Uh, Jamie Sharples, onwards and upwards. Come on, you blues. It's nice. Uh, next one... Um, Let's have a look who else says anything sensible. Uh, Noli McVeigh. I hope I've said that right. Jags was never fit. He looked a, a yard at least off the pace and it didn't help with Alcaraz having a mare. I agree with all that. Yeah, again, that's another big massive ramble though so uh, we can't read the well, whole thing. The, 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 point, the point just after that though is uh, a fully fit Jags would have easily caught Suarez for the last goal. Um Easily, maybe, I don't know. Easily he's, might be an exaggeration, but I think lad. he definitely would have competed more. This time, I think, would have had him. Yeah, so, I just don't know. If you're, if you're dribbling the ball, you're slower than someone who's running. Generally. I, 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 just, I just think he, he let himself get caught up a little bit in the, in the moment of it. And just get your head down, leg after it, and yeah. make uh, the tackle. Uh, last one. Uh, Bosman Bungle Boz, yeah. who I think we've mentioned before. I still don't think that's his real name. Yeah, no. Um, yes, I have a concern that Martinez you, is used using... I don't think that's probably the right English. I think what he's basically saying is, I have a concern that Martinez is using wigging tactics while we have weak defenders. We're going to end up having more hammerings if we don't sort this tactic out with a weak defence. Uh, yeah, d- defensively, I don't want to. I don't want to say off the back of on, on the back of a four 0 hammering. How uh, many poor defensive performances have we had this season? Was that the first one? Not particularly. No, I think we've been caught out a few times. No, but I mean really poor defensive performances. I would say that was the first real one. So I think let's not have a knee jerk reaction. Let's get Coleman back. Let's get this damn back. Let's go back to what we've been good at over the first part of the season. Uh, and let's see where we go Well, from I want to add to that, and let's just have a plan B when plan A isn't working. Because it's not... Sometimes this like this pitter-patter passing uh, from the defence to the right-back to the left-back to the goalie, if you've got defenders with pace... Uh, sorry, attackers with pace closing you down, sometimes you need to bypass them. And whether that's to the midfield or just punting it up to relieve the pressure, just for a little bit to mix it up. I'm not saying go long ball or what but just show that you've got another string to your bow there, then... I know what you're saying about plan B, but 
you know, his early work was very good, and the Defamation of Strickland Banks was, was, was a very good album, but he hasn't done anything in about the last two years. Anyway, shut up. Have some Zay cars, that'll cheer the blues up. Okay, we're going to have a little look at the upcoming game against Aston Villa at Goodison on Saturday. It'll be good to go home, won't it, after that? It will be after the beer in that shed. Yeah, it will. Two hours last night. Uh, the derby behind us now. We've got to look forward. Uh, and this game at Goodison on Saturday against Villa, I think, is now taking on the mantle of being the most important game of our season. Yeah, it's a good chance to set things straight. If we get a win and Liverpool lose, we're no worse off. Yeah, that's right. And obviously, you know, we're looking at... Confidence issues now. We're looking at the morale of the crowd going down. We're looking at the morale of the team going down. I think you know the, the instant uh, cure for that is to go out and beat Aston Villa and beat them convincingly. And uh, what you don't want is to you know get beat by a team who haven't really been doing that well this season uh, and the morale to drop even further. So let's look at the fixture from last year. Uh, Villa went up. Yeah, it was quite a, quite an incident-filled game last year, from what I can remember. They went one up after two minutes with a goal from Ben Teke. We managed to. This was at the time when Ben Teke was on fire, though, wasn't it? When, when he was, he was really banging them in, yeah. yeah. Um, we managed to get one back with Anachibi, who's obviously now playing for West Brom or not playing for West Brom, as the case may be. Well, he's playing second half for West Brom against us and doing very well. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, and that was in the twenty-first minute. Uh, three minutes later, Gabby Agban Lahore, who, I'm going to say it, I just can't stand him. I've <laughs> never been able to, I, I just, Villa... Th- there's I, a long history of Villa players who we don't like. And uh, he, he's just one of them. He is, he's got a very annoying face. Yeah, so uh, he put them 2-1 up, and um, we had to wait until the 61st minute, sorry, 60. Ninth minute, oh no, sorry, they went They went 3-1 up. They went, did they did, we were three, yeah, we were two down, yeah. Uh, so Ben Teke again. Ben scored again, and we managed to get another one back through Fellaini, who's obviously uh, playing down the road, or, or not. not playing, <laughs> or not. Um, in the 69th minute, Fellaini got one back, three-two, and then it was like kind of backs to the wall for them, and we managed to scrape an equaliser in the 93rd minute. Again, our uh, Afro-haired friend or former friend. Uh, Fellaini with an equaliser 3-3 in February last year so the only thing we can garner from that then is their three goal scorers are all probably going to play on Saturday and our three goal scorers are definitely not going to play for us on Saturday well definitely not for us no Uh, so yeah so three all Uh, more recently down at their uh, at, at their grounds Villa Park as it's known yeah Villa yeah. Park yeah. <laughs> did you not remember that? It, it's a difficult one to remember that isn't it when you're trying to think of Aston Villa's grounds you know have they changed their name to maybe the sponsor no it's still Villa Park John yeah okay um, was it a different story uh, I, I, from what I remember I'm watching this game and it was a crap first half no real Invention or anything, uh, nil nil. I think it was possibly the first time we wore the new yellow and blue kit. I think it might have been. I th- uh, yeah, and remember we struggled in the first half, which was 
we didn't think we would because the season before when we went to Villa was our best performance of the, the season, wasn't it? Where we absolutely ran them yeah, off in the first Pina half. scored a screamer. Um, uh, but as you say, yeah, we struggled in the first half and it was one of those games where, you know, you thought, well, you know, maybe we might not get anything from this and uh, a substitution changed the game. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is why we sometimes defend Leon Osman because sometimes he does have his merits and he, he can change a game and he really did. In this game, he managed to um, provide an assist for Lukaku to score. Who won't be playing at the weekend. No, and uh, score one himself. He possibly might be playing at the weekend. He might be, I'd have thought he would be. I think he probably will, he looked bright when he came on. Or brightish. Yeah. Not so dull when he came on last night. Um, So, yeah, there's a chance he'll play, I think. 2-0. We run out winners at 2-0. And we we just hope we can do the double over them. Uh, We really need to. We really need to... And we would like to because we hate Villa. Yeah, because we hate Villa, yeah. Um, but more importantly, we need we need the three points now. If we want to um, get our season back on track, as I said, they're in 11th position. You steal, that's my, that's a bit I usually do. Oh, you're you stealing me thunder now. Go on, go on yeah, then. That, that's normally my bit, that. Go on, where are they in the league then, Mark? They're 11th, funny 11th you should say, not they yeah. are, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously looking at the game on, on Saturday as we're going into that, uh, Villa, I suppose... Uh, Looking at the the progression of season, I think they're probably doing about as expected. They were poor last season, weren't they? But as we all know, they had a very young team under Lambert. Uh, so far this season, just past the halfway point, uh, they're sitting in 11th, which I think they probably would have taken. Uh, well, as we said last last week, though, 11th. They're still, you know, we we said last week about that top, the bottom half of the table. They're still three points off the bottom. No, there's six points. Six points six, off the sorry, six points six off points between uh, relegation places. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So I think uh, whoever it is, Palace in 18th or whoever on 18 points, fill it on 24 points at the moment. Um, and you know they're sort of motoring along. Well, not motoring along, but sort of you know plodding. Plodding is the word I was looking for. Um, they have been without Ben Teche uh, for a. A sort of a large chunk of the season through injury. He came back a couple of weeks ago. Um, they've got that sort of three-pronged attack back into place now of your mate, Gabby, uh, Agbonglahor, uh, Ben Teke and uh, Vyman, who's a decent little busy player, isn't he, who, who sort of plays up there. Uh, and I think those three, you know, last season at Anfield, they tore Liverpool apart. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago at Anfield, looked good in, you know, in the first half against Liverpool as well, didn't he? Until like Bonglahor went off injured and uh, when he were two 0 up, so I mean they have got a certain danger up front, you know, and uh, they are looking a better side than last year. Uh, my man to watch, I'm going to go for Ron Vlaar, who's a Dutch international that they have at centre half and is a bit of a beast, really, a uh, big strong player. So we're we, we're really hoping that um, you know there were talks about Traore being fifth to to make the bench for the derby didn't quite make it. Do you think he might make it in time? Uh, well, I don't know, but we're going to need somebody up there. Vlaar is a decent player. He's a decent centre half, a really decent centre half. You don't become a Dutch international for nothing. Well, there's Johnny Eitinger, but yeah, okay. Um, but you know he's a, he, you know he's a, he's a player who knows what he's doing. So we're going to need somebody up front. Who causes him problems? Basically, is that Stephen Naismith? I'm not too sure. So we could do with Traore possibly at least being an option from the bench. Yeah. So the, the other options that we could look at again, something that we've talked about a lot, is Morales going up top again. 
I would say that would be more of an option if Delafeu is fit. However, it's looking like Delafeu is probably more likely for the Spurs, Spurs game, game. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we think Coleman's going to be back? Uh, from what I know, it was touch and go whether he was going to be ready for last night. So I would imagine it'll be touch and go again for Saturday. Maybe a little more touch than go, perhaps. But I don't know. It's going to be a late fitness test. Let's wait and see. Um, as we mentioned before, I would suggest that we'd probably see Hibbert come into the team uh, if, if Coleman's not fit for this game. It's going to be a very different test, or is it? You know, the, the quality of those Liverpool forwards... Um, it's going to be very different from Benteke and Agbon Lahore, but it's the same kind of mould, isn't it? A pacey pace. It's, you know? it, it's, a, it's a similar setup, as you say. We, had, you know, last night when you looked at it, we had, you know, Sterling, Sturridge, and Suarez running at us. Them, these three are going to be running at us as well if they're all fit. I'm not sure if Agbon Lahore is fit at the moment because he he did he went off injured in that game against Liverpool, so I'm not sure whether he's back. The other option is Grant Holt, who I would much rather see play against us because. He's got less pace than me, well, yeah. which is slow. Let me let me tell you. Um, but there are the new signing in, in, uh, possibly coming in as well. Uh, are we willing to win a lot, Ryan Bertrand? Decent left back. It's a good signing for Aston Villa. That you know, he really was. Uh, I rate Ryan Bertrand. I think he's a very good left back, uh, and it gives them a little bit more sort of experience. I would say, even though he's a Ryan Bertrand, he, he's been around for years, but he probably hasn't got that many games under his belt in the Premier League. But he's come from a big team, he's come from a big club, he's come from playing with experienced players. Uh, so we'll give them a, something a little bit extra, I think. Um, the fairly decent in midfield, Fabian Delph, who I think we talked about earlier on. Good box to box, good engine on Yeah, I think he was my man to watch, wasn't he, when we played them away? Um, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I, they'll all be raring to go and to make, to make things right more than anything. I think the Blues will be up for it. I think Villa might fancy the chances against us, you know, at the well, weekend. I think they probably think we're on the ropes a little bit. But, you know, Everton, it's hard watching Everton sometimes. And they do let you down at, sometimes at the wrong time. But they always come back out fighting. And I think that's it's going to be one of them. It's going to be a bit of a rallying job. We'll come back. I am worried about, you know, where goals are going to come from. I personally would like to see Morales play through the middle. Um, but I think we'll have enough to probably get three points. Obviously, we're talking on Wednesday. Uh, the transfer deadline's on Friday. You know, we couldn't possibly, we could possibly get another face in by then who could be up top. So could Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah, so could Aston Villa. So we're just speculating on. I think he'll go with Morales up top. Traore to come in on the bench, uh, and I, I think he might even drop Naismith down, uh, play him, but p- drop him down onto the right. Yeah, it could be a case of, you know, Osman comes in, you know, maybe your Pienaar on the left, Osman on the right, or maybe Naismith on the right, depending on how, you know, at the minute, because we're so close to the game last night, we're not sure, you know, who's trained today, who's, if, even if there was training today, who's got little pulls or, you know, so it's difficult to predict the team. Um, I think at home we should have enough. If we were away at Villa Park, I'd be worried. Yeah, going away after a defeat like that, it'd be, it's good to get back on home soil and just get behind the boys again. Yeah. Um, obviously, that, obviously like we're, we're all hurt and 
But the best way we can show our support is go out there and get some Ali Ali on the go. I I can't, and it's been quiet at Goodison recently, and we need. It, you know, I, I hate this saying, and I don't really want to say it. And I know Aston Villa say it, but we need a twelfth man in a way on this Saturday. We need Gladys Street and the rest of the ground to get behind the Blue Boys, and let's just go and have a go at them and let's smash them out of sight. Yeah, I like that. So, what's your prediction on your man to watch? Well, I've said I gave you man to ma- man to watch. Oh yeah, you've got Ron Vlaar. I want to say a big, I want to say a big four 0 to Everton, but I think I don't think we'll have that many goals in the team just because the, the bit of the striking crisis at the moment. So I'm going to go two 0 Everton. I would snap your hand off for that right away, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I just hope we can bounce back. That's more than anything. If we scrape a two one, play some good football, but battle and show some pride, I'd have that. I'd have whatever win as long you know we just. We, we we do need to show that we are uh, we mean business again because we, last night we kind of rolled over and that's not us anymore. You know we don't go to clubs and we don't let we don't roll over t- for teams anymore. So we need to stay in touch with the top six. I think United have got a really good chance of overtaking us if we don't start picking back up again. Um, obviously Tottenham can go uh, go a few points ahead of us tonight. Just get back into the winning and the winning ways. That's what we need to do. And then you know we've seen it in previous seasons. Second half of the season is usually when we come strong. There's no reason why we can't be fit at the weekend, and then we can't push on and go on a run and start putting some more points on the board and putting pressure back on Spurs, United. I know you know United are still behind us, but Spurs, United, Liverpool, uh, and pushing back up the league again. Just, uh, just I mean. The importance of this fixture, as you said, is our most important game of the season. Imagine losing this and then going into Spurs. Yeah. That Spurs game. It's just, it, it, we can't do it. We need to get three points um, and just put pressure. Put pressure on the top four, not five and six. Exactly. So we need this at the weekend. So come on, Blue Boys. Um, if you've listened to this, the entire podcast today, thank you very much uh, for staying with us through uh, nearly an hour and 40 minutes of what was on the whole probably the most depressing podcast we ever had to do following the Derby result. Uh, if you're listening on our YouTube channel and you've just heard our, our little um, preview to the Aston Villa game that would have been on YouTube, then uh, you know, give the whole podcast a chance. Go and have a listen to it on SoundCloud or, or iTunes or whatever. It wasn't our happiest of podcasts, but you know. We have to deal with what we're dealt with, don't we? Yeah, as well as doing these previews, we do a recap on the game as well. So next week, you will hear a recap of the Villa game so you can see whether whether our expertise is spot on or not. Well, no, it's not going to be spot on. Well, you're saying that, though. You got the last three score predictions. You didn't do a prediction for the derby, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, did you? All right, okay. So Yeah, I predicted two ones to us. Aside from that, you got the last three spot on, didn't you? Yeah, so, you know... it's always good to listen to me and then go down the bookies. You know, it's worth a little quid on my predictions, really. Yeah, so, uh, as Mark said, if you listen on YouTube, you know, why not check out the podcast? You can do that um, by subscribing on iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud week to week. Or you can subscribe to us or follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, it's got all our shows on there. And also on Stitcher. Uh, I know a lot of uh, fans outside of the UK uh, listen on Stitcher and you can queue that up on your phone to listen to on the go if you've got an Android device and you hate Apple like a lot of Android users seem to. 
Yeah, correct. Uh, what I do want to just mention is, if you do go to the on the Facebook page or on the Twitter feed, um, we've been running auctions, haven't we, this week uh, for different bits of uh, Everton memorabilia. That's probably going to continue. What we will say is, um, you know, or we can we personally will guarantee all the items. They are all one hundred percent genuine. They are all, all you know unbelievably priced compared to most, uh, you know, Everton signed merchandise sort of outlets. Yeah, Paul, Paul, our mate who does it, for Paul, it's since 18, it's 1878 Co. UK, that's, that's his Twitter. Um, yeah, he has got some connections within in the club and, you know, a lot of the, the older players, the legends, do these signatures when they come and do these after, after dinner speak, uh, speaking. Uh, and, Figures like Duncan McKenzie will bring these pictures like the Leighton Baines one in. So they are completely genuine, straight from the club, straight from the training ground, whatever. Um, so, you know, check, check them out. You know, birthdays coming up. Exactly. And, and keep an eye on it for, for another reason in the fact that, you know, we're not here to be salesmen. We're just good Evertonians who enjoy doing this podcast. We're not trying to make money out of this in any, yeah, we in don't any see way. any of that at all. So, well, some of it's Paul's business, but obviously Paul is a supporter of the podcast as well. Yeah. So he, he has said that, you know, he might buy us a bit of equipment or something oh, yeah, if he yeah, sells yeah. a few pictures. You never know. So uh, it's a good little way to support the podcast. Uh, and, and to get something Everton-related out of it as well. I'd think. have my walls plastered them if I could, if the missus was okay with that. But, uh, no. You've, no. Got, you, you've got some... Nice I've got... Yeah, I've, I've just got it. I've recently moved out, so I've got to get mine put all back up again. But nobody wants to know that. It's pointless. Uh, I'll save that for the, the life stories, Mark, Mac, with... Uh, who's that bloke off the telly? Piers Morgan, when I do my interview. Sounds... If you're listening, Piers, uh, anytime you want to get in touch. Don't bother, because you're a knobhead. Anyway, right, that's the end of the podcast. We've gone one hour 40, which is a record, is it? Yeah, I think so. One hour 40. A lot of dreariness with the derby, but, you know, we'll hopefully be back. Our bright and breezy, happy selves next week with a Villa win. Villa against Villa win. Everton against Villa win. Yeah, an Everton win. Oof. Not a Villa win. No, no. no, we won't be bright and breezy then. We'll be suicidal. Um, so that's another podcast in the bag. Catch you next week, folks. <laughs>